Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, guys. Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com/musicalswithcheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. Tis that easy. Go to audibletrial.com/musicalswithcheese. Also, a huge special thanks to our patrons over at Patreon. They are getting a lot of cool perks that y'all aren't getting. So unless you want to be in the cool team, you better join our Patreon. And our patrons <laughs> include... In um, the cool Steph- team. <laughs> hey, they are the cool team. What else would you they call are, them? They're the cool squad. Uh, our cool squad is... <laughs> our, our cheese squad. <laughs> our cheese squad. If you want to be part of the cheese squad, you're going to have to join up with Stephanie L. Uh, Terry Needleman. Max Lunig, Benjamin Lehrer, Chris O'Kelly, Lily Ackles, uh, Danielle Renix, Mackenzie Horner, uh, Taryn the Duck, the only real duck we have, uh, Melissa Goldman, the only Goldman we have, <laughs> and Jess Lightning, the best Jess we have, the greatest <laughs> Jess we'll ever have, Ewan Cassidy, and Haley McDonald. They give us a little extra financial support that helps keep the lights on here at Musicals with Cheese. We've already put a bunch of funds toward making sure that Andrew's audio doesn't sound terrible anymore. And if you would like to join them in supporting us, <laughs> Thanks, you get tons Jess. of fun perks, such as commentaries that no one else is getting, um, and a ton of other updates. They get to vote on we some just, things we, uh, that we're doing We just recently in the put out, uh, what, uh, uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat? Yeah, a commentary on that. Andrew loved it. <laughs> I Believe loved it. Believe it or not. It's- I absolutely loved it. It was fantastic. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> and also they get our episodes a day earlier and it's tons of fun stuff. So come join us at Patreon. Andrew, talk about our affiliate link. Okay. We also have our Amazon affiliate link, which is in the description of all of our episodes. If you're going to buy something on Amazon, just click the link and buy it for the same price and we get a, a portion of it. And also, you know, they're listening to this on their phones and all that, oh so God. they should also be able to text their friends one or two things that they love about our show and explain why their friends should be listening to. So go do that right now if you like us. <laughs> all right, all right let's, let's get, to the get on to the real show. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Hello, I'm Jesse McAnally. And I'm Andrew DeWolf. And welcome to Musicals with Cheese, a podcast where I try to get Andrew to like musical theater. And today, Andrew, we have another wonderful special guest. Oh my goodness, such a special guest. Again, with the special guest. Jess, where do you find these people? I don't know. I just, they come I'm serious, though. Where, where do you find these people? <laughs> <laughs> well, today we have actress, performer, artist, and all-around cool person, Rachel Chen. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> we're, we're all doing fantastic. We're all doing good. Um, so, you know what? What are we talking about today? We're talking about Miss Saigon. Miss Saigon is a musical by Claude Michel Schoenberg and Elaine Bobil, with lyrics by Bobil and Richard Maltby Jr. It is based on Puccini's opera, Madame Butterfly, and similarly tells the story of a doomed romance involving an Asian woman abandoned by her American lover. 
The setting of the plot is relocated to 1970 Saigon during the Vietnam War, and Madame Butterfly's story of marriage between an American lieutenant and a geisha is replaced by a romance between a United States Marine and a 17-year-old Vietnamese bar girl. It premiered at the Theatre Royale Drury Lane, London on 20th of September 1989, closing after 4,092 performances on 30th October 1999. It opened on Broadway at the Broadway Theatre on April 11, 1991, and subsequently played in many other cities and embarked on tours. Prior to the opening of the 2014 London Revival, it was claimed that Miss Saigon had set a world record for opening day ticket sales, with sales in excess of £4 million reported. And it's the only other musical, aside from Les Mis, that um, Schoenberg and Boo Bill ever did. That's worth noticing. Like, does anyone ever talk about the Pirate Queen? No. <laughs> Wait, there's another one? Yeah. What is the Pirate Queen? Nobody <laughs> knows. Nobody ever talks about Nobody's it. Nobody's seen it. <laughs> Jess, we have to do an episode on that. Good luck finding it. <laughs> oh, boy. So, Andrew... This was your first time watching. We know that Rachel has a really deep connection to Miss Saigon, but in this first experience of watching Miss Saigon, what are your thoughts? Um, I think the music is really, really good, <laughs> but I think that the story uh, <laughs> could use a little bit of work in a, in a few places. Uh, that that seems to be a general opinion, though. I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit behind the scenes here, and that seems to be a general opinion is that uh, the story is the weak point for a, a lot of people. Would you agree with that, Rachel? Yeah, I think it obviously has its faults. And I it was written in a time that really didn't have as much, I don't know, um, the, the worldview back then was very different from what it is now. So I think if they did rewrite a version of it, it would be so different. But um, it is quite, I, I don't know, like the story is true to an extent. Lots of people have actually gone through that kind of journey I guess and there are lots of kids that are you know like the Tam in the story that come up with um their personal retellings of what they've been through and what their parents have been through to get them to where they are now so I think that lots of people all over the world resonate with it and um even if you don't have the exact same story as Kim goes through um with Tam and everything there are lots of people that resonate with it in other ways um, so I think it is quite a good story to be telling. It just has some things like it's rough around the edges, I guess, because it has to be when you're touching on this kind of topic. As an Asian woman yourself, um, how do you feel that it represents Asians within it? Because that has been a long standing debate within its existence throughout its time. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think that was the first controversial thing uh jonathan price who originated the role of the engineer he is not asian and the engineer is caucasian but um uh, no he's not caucasian he's eurasian he's half asian half french like he's half french so people were like oh it's not fair that you're kind of like whitewashing the entire role and he did wear yellow face for the entire duration that he was in the show so people that was the first thing that people were like really really angry about which is understandable i mean i'm angry about it now but um i think the weird thing about saigon is that i have so much um appreciation for it for kind of paving the way i guess it, i think lots of aspiring asian actresses and you know like successful asian actresses have the same feeling towards this piece of work because 
it really did pave the way for representation of Asian women and men um, on like in the media and in musical theater. And I think many people have that appreciation for Miss Saigon kind of creating that that platform for us to be seen. But in the same way, there is kind of that um, joint, I guess, like feeling of being like, we don't want to be boxed up into this cage. Like we don't want to come out of um, like come out into the industry and be told you're only ever going to be a Kim or you're only ever going to be a Gigi because that's not what real life Asian people are like, like, I guess. Like we're not just um, your typical Kim or Gigi. We have so much more to us than that. So while being grateful for it and being so incredibly, I don't know, um, moved by this piece of work and how it really create like it paved the way for us I also see that it's really not what we want to be remembered for especially in years to come but it also brought like I, I see that but also I see it brought us great talents like Leia Salonga who we would not have if this mm-hmm. musical had not existed um and she is 100%. by far the best Eponine and one of the best fountains like Agree. And just we wouldn't have Mulan without Miss Saigon. A hundred percent. Like, think about that. <laughs> that would be a sad world, man. It's a real generalization to make, but it's hard to ignore the good things that this brought. Like Ava Noblezada, we probably wouldn't have her in such a high priority role on Broadway right now if it wasn't yeah, for the we existence wouldn't. of Miss Saigon. Yeah, yeah. Lots of people say stuff like, I mean, Kim is a role that I think lots of actresses have. Um, emerged in like it was the stepping stone for them going on to bigger things even um emily bautista who's now the u.s tour kim she uh was the understudy on broadway and from that she booked eponine on the u.s tour and then she like now she's the full principal kim but we know that she from this role she's going to go on to even bigger and better things and i think that I mean, it's a, there's two ways to look at it. One, people are getting that platform from being in this role and being able to move on from it. But two, I think Asian actresses, it would be amazing for them to be given opportunities that were outside of Saigon being their first big thing, you know? Let's go into a little bit of the plot of Miss Saigon. Andrew, I'm actually going to have you describe it for us as your, was sure. your first time viewing it. <laughs> Sure, sure. Um, I will do my best. Uh, this one is, it's actually pretty straightforward, I think, though. It, it, this doesn't have too many, too many twists or turns. Um, so, I mean, you open up in your typical Vietnam War ending setting um, in, in Saigon, of course. Uh, it's just before the Americans are going to just bail, essentially. Um, and there is a, club it's not a bar it's a club called uh dreamland run by the engineer and he is selling (laughs) girls uh and i mean it's true though that is what is happening right that it just Mm -hmm. makes me sick to hear it phrased that way (laughs) that is literally what is going on though i know but still (laughs) um and one of the soldiers who i believe is chris is chris the name yes the Um, true villain of the story yes chris uh, whatever. <laughs> Chris Chris ends up with a um one of the girls named Kim who is uh 
a perfect 17 flower, and new we'll there today. <laughs> 17 and her parents were burned alive. Like, she's had it rough. She's had it very, very <laughs> rough. And they have a few nights together. Um, and then, of course, oh uh, Chris has to leave entirely, leaving Kim behind. But he was going to marry her and bring her back with him. Like, that was the deal they made. That was the deal they made, but that doesn't happen. They don't show us what actually does happen yet. That's, that's okay. later. Okay. So, you know, if you want to just not spoil the whole thing, Jess, <laughs> that'd be fine. I'm telling a story here. Like, Christ. <laughs> Apologies. Continue. Okay. So then, later on... Uh, <laughs> there's like oh i skipped a part oh geez there's kim was previously married to some other dude i actually don't Twee. know the name of twee 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 don't expect me to pronounce that correctly <laughs> um twee it's not that hard it's like the number two with an e twee well Two-y. her parents so, <laughs> her parents explain like, it better Rachel. them together um, yes, they, they it's an arranged marriage. Anything, but yeah, they're promised. It's an arranged team. marriage. Okay, so that's <laughs> important because later on, after all the Americans have left, and I think it's like three years, two years have passed. It's not really exact, I don't think. It's three um, years, but three years. Like, three uh, years. Yeah, it's three years. <laughs> yes, yeah. he does say it. Okay, and then two e is part of the. <laughs> he's part of the army or the police force or something like that and he finds kim and we discover that kim had a child with chris which is obviously problematic for the whole situation in tui getting married getting married and uh especially with it being an american child essentially oh yeah Mm -hmm. um not really a good situation Big no-no. So he tries to kill the kid, and Kim kills him. And that's It's sick. a really intense moment. It is... And I just ruined so, it. <laughs> so incredible. So incredible, and I just said it in like two seconds, and we're gonna skip past it here. Uh, <laughs> but we also find out that Chris got remarried in America. Yes, we find that out as well. And then... Oh, God. Oh, my goodness. Where am I? Okay, so then they go to Bangkok, the engineer and With, Kim go to Bangkok? Yeah, because mm-hmm. it's closer to America and easier to get there yes. from Bangkok. It definitely would be. And that's when we cut to Chris and his buddy in, in America, John, and they're, they have like a charity. They, he sings We Are the Worlds, and it's all great. <laughs> uh, and so then they... <laughs> <laughs> so then they they go to find Chris's kid, and that's when all hell breaks loose, and you know, the ending happens. And I guess I won't spoil that yet. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but in a show based on Man Butterfly, you can be assured it ends happily, very happily. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rachel, how do you think he did in describing that? I did an okay job. I rambled a little bit. I didn't bit. ask you. <laughs> Like Shut up, A Jess. For <laughs> A for effort. A for effort. That's perfect. That's what I wanted. <laughs> Honestly, it wasn't that bad. I think it's pretty. It's a pretty fair description. 
Now we've all agreed basically that the two e, two e, two e, two e, two e. Well, Jess told me it was like two with an e at the end, and that's two e. <laughs> well, it kind of is. <sighs> I'm just, I'm literally just messing with Jess. He's so mad right now. <laughs> see, Andrew can see my face right now, and Jess is like red. <laughs> me in front of company <laughs> <laughs> we have become like an old married couple in these 48 episodes now um that's true but we've all agreed that the story is the weakest part of this so why like that story feels compelling enough why do we where do we feel the weaknesses come well i think part of it is um how it's it feels kind of disconnected uh, once you get to the part where the Americans leave, um, because at that point, Chris kind of leaves the story entirely. There's like a couple subplots before it all comes back together at the end. So I I, I don't know. I think that's part of it. How about you, Rachel? Well, I think that um, if they had just put, you know, because the nightmare scene happens in act two when she's brought back to the memory of Chris leaving her. I think if the if they did put it in Act One, it would have been a little, um, I don't know. I think the audience might have been a little bit, oh, okay. Well, this is going to happen next, and this is going to happen next. Putting it in Act Two was pretty smart, but also I remember the first time I saw it live, I was so confused. I was like, wait, why is she now back there, and now he's leaving her, and I'm confused. So if they if you didn't pick up the program and like read what was happening you wouldn't know what was happening i say this about every single show we watch and jess gets mad at me (laughs) (laughs) you shouldn't need to read the playbill just to get the plot (laughs) exactly i agree with that i i do think that because it is such a like cinematic moment it it kind of I don't know. It's beautiful. That whole the whole nightmare scene, like every Kim that's ever played Kim. Wait, what? Yeah. Every Kim that's ever played Kim always says that the nightmare is their favorite scene. Um, but I think generally speaking with the plot, pe- people's like biggest concern about it is that, you know, when Kim does start in this, she is 17, which means that her relationship with Chris is very illegal and disturbing. But then people write it off to be like the greatest love story of all time. And it's like, well, she was vulnerable and thrown into the situation and it wasn't like she never wanted any of this, but it kind of just happened, you know? So it's a very awkward romance. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why lots of people have said, I mean, even when you talk to Eva about her favorite song, she always says that it's sun and moon over last night of the world because in Sun and Moon, they're actually expressing their affection for each other without any, I don't know, you can't really say that there aren't any like external factors because there are, they kind of were like forced into this. Um, but in Last End of the World, that, that whole song is basically talking about how they're going to love each other for, for the rest of their lives just because um, Kim is going to be stuck in Vietnam without Chris and he's going to be all guilty if they don't. So like there is an ulterior motive kind of, it, it's not, I don't think it can be represented as like, the greatest love story of our time because there are so many things like getting in the way of that true love. Do you, does that make any sense? I don't know. If I does, think it but... shouldn't be represented as that either because it's, it's absolutely not a good love story. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, because they're both kind of thrown into it. I mean, uh, a Marine in Vietnam, I think we all know that they don't want to be there. Uh, mm-hmm. And and then a 17-year-old bar girl, like, oh, that's not okay. Uh, so, I mean, the whole yeah. thing is just kind of messed up. <laughs> the thing that I think that I, when I do read, because, you know, all the, like, marquees and stuff, they say the greatest, like, love story of our time. I look at that as um, Kim's love for Tam and her you know, just her overwhelming love for her son and how she will do anything for him to live a life that was more fruitful than hers, I guess, or like just that was better. It had better circumstances. So I think that that love to me is so much more, I don't know, like notable. Like when I watch it, I don't go, wow, Kim and Chris love each other so much. I'm like, Kim is so obviously passionate about her son and that is something quite admirable that she would just she would do anything for him romantic way to look at it absolutely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but my question is is do we see this as creepy because it's so close to like present day um like we look at things like carousel and it has a very similar opening where you've got like this older man and this younger woman um basically going into a romance and the rest mm-hmm. of it is the reason why it doesn't work and this has a very similar setup to that, and yet we see this as creepy from the get-go because of how recent it is and our modern sensibilities. Mm-hmm. I think it's more than that. I mean, you you said yourself the selling girls aspect of it. Oh, like yeah. The reason they meet is, is that it, also the Vietnam War, it definitely has very negative connotations just all around. So, I mean... <laughs> nothing really good came from that and we have to talk about how chris i mean a lot of this stems from guilt because chris never even wanted anything to do with kim in the beginning i I don't think lots of people realize but no i mean it's pretty obvious he says it a lot but he doesn't want to be there he doesn't want to do any of this with you know like this mumbo jumbo and um john is the one that is like, no, you're gonna like take this girl back to your bed and like do whatever you want with her. And so he kind of does it reluctantly, which already is like, wait, that's a bit weird. And then, um, you know, I, I guess it, it is, she, he wants to walk away from it. And she tells him, she's like, look at my entire life story and all the things that I've suffered through. And he's like, wait, that's really sad. And I'm guilty now. Let's make out for 32 counts during the song like it doesn't I don't know it doesn't stem from his love for her I think a lot of guilt gets in the way and just how he feels about her not having as good of a life as he can afford to give her yeah he he feels like he has to save her which is it's not really love it's just purely Uh uh-huh guilt yeah I got a question I got a question about just rephrasing reframing the story a little bit what if mm-hmm. we have, instead of him taking her to his place and then immediately making love and not, and then him singing Why God Why, why don't they go back and then have the conversation about her parents and all that and then they just go to sleep and then he sings Why God Why and then they have like a consensual romantic thing after all that? Like, why don't we have that character growth before we have the sexual connection? Would that make the story at least slightly more than just um chris acting out of guilt well i don't know if that's what they're going for though i feel like they it needs to have that kind of 
disgusting element to it because mm-hmm. I mean the ending doesn't really have a romantic end for them, so <laughs> I don't know if it needs to have that true romance element. Yeah, and I think I think obviously when writing musical, you're not gonna, just going to put anything on stage, so they probably thought about this quite a lot. And I think they were really going for exactly that disgust because if you go into Miss Saigon and come out being like, I just watched the best like love story I'll ever see, then I think they're not they're not getting the reaction that they want you to. I, you should be disturbed. Like, I don't think that you should come out of it and be like, I want to love like that. You should probably feel uncomfortable at the circumstances that they were put in. And I think that they're trying to go for something that was a little bit more truthful rather than... Um, making it something that would appeal to like so that audiences would like it and so that it was like politically correct but they were trying to you know like girls were manipulated in the in situation back in the historical context of the show and you know all of this complicated yucky stuff did happen so i think they were really trying to make audiences see that it wasn't all you know it wasn't great like it had grit and pain yeah so both of you um andrew you as a white uh, american and rachel you as a female asian um just that's all that defines me jess that's all that defines her as well no no 100 (laughs) percent um how much would you rank the verisimilitude of two um (laughs) frenchmen you want to rephrase that jess (laughs) <laughs> no, the verisimilitude of two white Frenchmen and a British producer representing both of you guys. How do you think that they oh, represented yeah. the, both of your individual cultures? Because n- none of the writers are either American, Asian, or anything anything having to do with this musical. They, they're they nothing. They saw a photo and they're like, yep, time to write a whole story <laughs> about this. I think they did a good job. That's as good as they could do. <laughs> it's a really... Christ, I'm an like, American! Sustained. How can I fail to do good? That's how we really feel, though. Is it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? I mean, the main... Uh, well, okay, the main female Asian character in this is Kim, obviously. There's, like, Gigi and everything else, but they aren't given as many layers as Kim is because she has, like, the most stage time and about 70 solo songs. But um, she, she is looked at in a lot of different ways, but I don't think anybody ever looks at her as a bad character like people are like this is not who all asian women are like we're not all like this but i think from my perspective obviously lots of other people have lots of different opinions about kim but i think from my perspective i've always seen her as a badass from the get-go because people talk about how innocent she was at 17 and yes she was really innocent and very naive and didn't know what she was getting herself into but you have to remember that even from the moment she sings like uh, do you want one more tale of a Vietnam girl? She's been through all of that before the story even starts. So she has survived all of that. And and I mean, th- that would be so incredibly difficult to put yourself through. Uh, well, she's not putting herself through it, but to get through. And then she really is quite a badass for the rest of the entire show. Like after Chris leaves her, she finds a way. She She is a victim but she doesn't play the victim you know and i think that's something so um important about her is that 
no matter what she trudges through and i think like towards the end obviously people are like oh what like are we allowed to spoil the ending yet <laughs> andrew was yes, like yes we're gonna spoil the ending later go for well, it yeah so she kills herself right that that's a gr- i mean yeah but um <laughs> i think people often often are like yeah but she just killed herself like why would she do that instead of sticking it out but you have to look at why she did it like she didn't just decide okay well i'm gonna die she wasn't doing it out of weakness she was doing it because she wants the best for her child so i think she really has a lot of layers and she's been through a lot but she you know she came out getting what she wanted i guess maybe we don't know what happens after the end of the musical and all that sad stuff i don't know if anybody got what anybody wanted in this (laughs) (laughs) the engineer might have he might be going to america I don't think so. I don't think the engineer No, but, you know, because at the end, they do the little... I mean, while Chris and Kim are uh, crying in each other's arms, they Ellen picks up Tam and stands at the back of the stage, and the engineer looks a little helpless and sad because he knows that he has always looked at Kim and Tam as his ticket out. And now that Kim is dead... They're going to take Chris, but they're not going to take the engineer. So I think that's the sad ending for the engineer. He never gets what he wants, unfortunately. Well, no, he's a horrible person, so it's fine. Yeah, he's the he's worst, great. but he is he's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's all the actors that portray the, the engineer are amazing. I think, he, I think he's one of the most fun characters, but I think he is definitely a bad person. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that his American dream is is even when he gets to America, he's still just gonna be selling prostitutes. Like, come on, <laughs> you, can't, you can't reach beyond that. Well, you can't, like you can't start a legitimate business. No, no. When you get to America, you're still gonna be doing the same thing, just in America. <laughs> well, do you know why? Do you know why, Andrew? Because men why? will always be men. That's true, and the engineer will always be the engineer. <laughs> Hi, today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. Tis that easy! Go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese to get started today. Um, this week I didn't have time to think of a recommendation, so just, just, just find the book on your own. You're an adult. You can figure it out. Um, so to download your free <laughs> audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash musicalswithcheese for your free audio. It's bold of you to assume that they're all adults, Jess. Oh, yeah. I mean, by legal standards, our guest isn't even an adult. <laughs> yikes. Oh, yikes. But I am 18 at the end of the year, so... <laughs> That counts for something. Yeah, let's get back to the show, though. I'm 17 and I'm new here today. The village I come from seems so far away. All of these girls here know much more what to say. But I know I'm so much more than you see. A million dreams are in me. Oh, Jesus, John, who is she? All right, let's talk about the songs. Um... The Heat Is On is a very weird opening number. I don't know about that. It's a vulgar, crass... It sets up the world, and it's interesting, but it also doesn't... It makes you think that the main character is someone that isn't Kim, which is also something I find really weird. 
Like it kind of frames it all around Gigi. I like that. It's it's more interesting that way though. I think I think lots of people are like, well, why is Gigi Miss Saigon in the beginning and then it's called Miss Saigon? But if you remember in the wedding scene, Gigi says to Miss Saigon and they all toast it to Kim. Because even though like Kim was like the vulnerable one in the beginning, she ends up with the story that everybody wanted. Like so I think it's meant to kind Kinda. of set that up that that you know, like Gigi never she drew the short end of the stick in the end. She got I also think that the I think that the um setting it up as a uh, like a sleazy club uh, kind of does set up how the entire show goes because really you, you feel dirty at the end of the show in a way. <laughs> I feel dirty from the beginning of the show. What are you talking about? Well, yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm talking about. The opening number sets up the whole thing. <laughs> I, I feel like I need a shower as soon as I walk in. And it's always weird because every time every time I've seen this show, like in the front row, there's been a bunch of little kids and there's like girls like in thongs and like all oh, that God. dance. And I'm like, oh, kid, kids love it. The kids love it. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what productions have I mean, you guys seen out of curiosity? Um, Andrew's only seen the 2014. The movie recording of it? Yes. I believe that's the one I've seen. Yeah. I think Jess has seen a lot, though. I saw the touring production. Jess was one of the little kids in the front lo- front row. Yeah, I was one of the little kids <laughs> in the front row. Now Jess, did you, you like it? Getting your innocence, like, stripped away from you as you walk. You know, through. now that I think about it, I don't think I was paying much attention to those. What about you, Rachel? Which ones have you seen? It was my mom's favorite musical growing up, so I remember listening to little bits and pieces of it, but obviously as a child, like, my mom wasn't going to be like, hey, look at this musical. Also, there are prostitutes in it and all this fun stuff. Um, so I, I very much like was quite clueless about the real themes that were touched on it growing up. But then as I grew older, I remember I think I came across like one of the like the Manila recording of it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, but I'll put it away. And then when I went to New York for the first time, that was the first show that my mom booked tickets for. She was like, you're going to see Miss Saigon because like, if you're going to go into musical theater, like that's one of the roles. So I was like, okay, I went into it. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, what's happening? And then I realized that the show has so much more than I had initially like set up in my head. Um, so, uh, you know, that I saw the 2016 or no, 2017. Yeah, 2017 Broadway production, uh, like something like seven or eight times. I just kept going back. <laughs> and that's how, you know, like, because Eva, um, when I first met her, I was like, oh my God, is Eva Novozada? But I didn't really indulge. And then from being a really good fan and stuff, she invited me back and had a chat with me and everything. And it was really nice. So um, that's how I kind of grew such a connection to this musical for putting, like, for making me better because I've met lots of people through it and they're, they make my life really happy. <laughs> Yeah. Incredible. So you're friends with Eva Noblezada, like. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it's always weird because obviously uh, she has been. She I mean, she's given me a lot of pieces of advice that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. And um, yeah, and lots of people ask about this, like, how did you meet? But really, I was. I was just a very, very good fan. And then she like followed me on Twitter and I shot myself. And um, after that, she, <laughs> we just like connect. Cause I think we're, we're quite similar in who we are and what we want for ourselves in this world. So she's given, she's kind of like taken me under her wing a little bit 
and been very nice in that way. So we're talking to the future Eva Noblezada. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh not God. true, Jess. You're right. We're talking to the first Rachel Chen. That's true. That's the real way to say it. Oh, that's really nice. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> as soon as you like get that Broadway break and you're making like the first incredible like Asian representation musical that's not like Miss Saigon, like uh, <laughs> they're gonna come back to this podcast and be like, "Man, they did not treat her with enough respect." That's true. We didn't. <laughs> when you revoked my all around cool person stuff, I'm gonna haunt you for this forever. The all around cool oh, person no. status was. Oh, a little bit much, I think. He gives me dollar bills. Our children laugh all day. They eat too much ice cream. And life is like a Let's talk about the movie in my mind. Oh, yeah. Okay. Moving on. Um, this is an incredible getting... I Want song. Like, this, and, and it's Gigi's I Want song, but it's also, like, everyone's I Want song. It's the general I Want song of every girl at Dreamland. As it's gone on and grown over the years, it's only gotten better. Like, the thing about the show is, like, they have George Lucas syndrome of wanting to change all the lyrics, and... Unlike um, Jesus Christ Superstar, this is mostly for the better. <laughs> I agree. What are some What are some of your favorite lyrics that got changed, Jess? Um, this little girl, we could be in the sack for the same price to buy a Big Mac. Oh, oh that's a the? great line, Jess. Come on. <laughs> what What song is that from? Heat is on. Okay. Yeah. Makes me uncomfortable to hear it, and honestly, like it's cringy, and it makes jo- Chris look really like equating her to food and it makes me feel disgusted but the new version where it's like and I'd take something equating I her to give fast back, food Jess fast food I know it's like really <laughs> it makes me sick in like nine different ways so I'm very glad they've changed yeah that's kind of a, mm-hmm. a gross line um and there's a lot of other cringy lines especially from the engineer that they got rid of um and a lot of slurs that I'm very glad they got rid of, at least I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't remember any in what I saw. I, there might have been one, because I remember one in American Dream that every time it hits my ears, I'm like, ah, no. And I think Rachel might know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. But I I mean, I grew up more, I mean, after I realized what the show was about and all of this stuff that goes on it, I listened to the new recording with Eva on it, and that has a lot of changes like a lot of changes that i mean even without like wanting to change stuff because it's disturbing um a lot of the lyrics are just better they sound better yes i you know they fit the lyric better because the problem with the original lyricist alain bobil and herbert crick are and um claude michelle schoenberg the original writers they're french so they're french translating into english and then trying to make it rhyme so a lot of the times Mm -hmm. you got backward syntax where just a line just is backwards. It happens a lot in Les Mis and it bothers me a lot there too. But then again, I am an American idiot that like, why isn't everyone pandering to me? God damn it. They are, Jess. That's how you make money. (laughs) They are pandering to you. (laughs) 
the the wedding ceremony, um, they sing in Vietnamese. Did you know that it was gibberish until the Broadway production? What the f- like? No, what really? Yeah. So basically, That's funny. the story about this. I have a one of my best friends is called Nawin, and she's from Vietnam. She's also like super fan of Miss Saigon, and uh, she was recently in a production of it. So we talked a lot about this. Um, but we've we've talked about it a lot over just us being friends. Um, so actually, if you listen to the 2014 London recording of it, all of that doesn't really make sense phonetically. Like in, in Vietnamese, it doesn't really actually mean anything. And the reason behind this is because when they were writing it, basically what the writers did is they just went to this like Vietnamese restaurant and asked the, like, I think like all of these different waitresses, how do I write this? And they all came up with different <laughs> answers. What the fuck, so, guys? So, yeah, exactly. So the writers were like, we'll just pick the one that sounds the nicest, which is not a great idea. Um, they didn't even re- I, I don't know why. It kind of talks about uh, there's been not that many Vietnamese cast members. There's actually only been like two or one Kims that are actually Vietnamese. And one of them is on, I think, the UK tour. No, when she was on the UK tour. Maybe she's in the US tour now. But um. There hasn't been that many Vietnamese uh, actors or actresses in the musical. Um, so when they carried it on to the revival in 2014, they, it was still gibberish, like all of that stuff. But once they brought it over to Broadway, Christopher Vo, who is a um, Vietnamese actor who was in the cast, was like, hey guys, by the way, this doesn't make any sense. Maybe you want to change that before we open the show again. <laughs> um, and so he worked with them to rewrite it in a way that it still rhymed, but made actual sense. And I, I think that is a really interesting piece of information when looking at the show and how it was written by people that don't really know. I wonder if that song is like unintentionally hilarious, if you can actually understand the words. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being Vietnamese. Yeah, like you're going into this Broadway show and this is like your heritage. And then you sit down and they're singing like random words and you're like, what is happening? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, can't wait to see myself on stage. Like, woo. My mom, like, I don't know. I'm going to be seen on the stage and represented so well. And then you sit down and they're like singing random words. It, on it, I can't Google even translate that. the the musical. I'm trying to imagine <laughs> the American equivalent for this. So, okay, someone of a different like language goes to like America and asks them, "What are words you say at weddings?" And they're like, "Um, corset, aisle, flowers." So it's like <laughs> corset, flowers, gown, and bridesmaid. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm imagining it is like. <laughs> that's good hey hey what does it mean oh it's just what they sing at weddings (laughs) that's kind of what they say in the musical though it is what they say in the musical isn't it yeah it's like it all makes sense now thing oh my god and she follows it up with they didn't know what else to sing well we don't know what they're singing right now apparently (laughs) it's like literally the writers of the musical are talking to you they're like i didn't know what else to put there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's the prettiest thing i've ever heard and everybody's like Ooh. oh that changed the way i'm gonna listen to this musical for the rest of my life thank you so much 
But it is, I think uh. that after they changed it, it's like, it is, that, that music is so beautiful. The, the, the melody is just gorgeous. Is there anywhere I can listen to the new Broadway version? Because I'm just so used to the Juvoive gibberish nonsense. <laughs> it's, um, it's not like... I'm sure it means gay. something. It, it means something. It's just not right. Like, it just... It's, it, it, it's weird. It's like if we were speaking very broken English. It, it's, it's Google Translate, the musical. You can listen to it. I guess lots of people have, like, recordings of it. I don't know. That's very Secret illegal. Recordings. Secret recordings. <laughs> yeah, we do not promote bootlegs here. No, bootlegs here are bad. Don't listen to any of that, guys. It's Jess bad. is like winking right now. <laughs> bootlegs are so horrible. Oh, no. Wink. Outside, day starts to Till floats on high The birds obey The stars shine true My hands still shake And reach for you And we meet in the I love Sun and Moon. I think it's it's beautiful. I like the way that it was written, and it, the part that I love the most is when you, they sing to. I mean, so basically, it's like Kim's verse, then Chris's verse, and then they sing kind of like back and forth. And then when they do the harmony of like, and we made in the sky. Um, one of the parts that like really throws people off sometimes, but is so beautiful, is that Chris goes up and Kim goes down in the harmony, which is not very. Like it doesn't happen that often, so that's beautiful. That's one of the parts that I just need they to get closer together. To. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, but I do think it is funny that when they wrote the musical, you know, there's like a whole music. Like usually, they're dance breaks where people nobody sings because they're dancing. But in Miss Saigon, they just have an entire like section of music for them to make out. <laughs> I mean, yes, and I see break. it in my head it's now. It's a makeout break. It's no, literally, they're like, this is when you kiss. Yeah, and it happens in um, Last Night of the World as well. The, like, there's so many of them in the entire musical. They're like, and you, well, you kiss now. gotta get that sex up there in front. And then they never <laughs> kiss until, like, her brain's falling out of her head in the last scene. Gotta show it to oh, the God. kids. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I mean, it all, it all is pretty beautiful. 
um, I'd give my life for you, which is the big like act one closing song and Kim's big, I, I guess people say that it's like her biggest song that is pretty amazing. I, I mean, again, it is like quite badass, but has that layer of like, oh, she's going to die for her kid. It's the most obvious foreshadowing that all went over my head. It's like not obvious at all. She doesn't sing a four minute song about it. Yeah, not obvious. Jess just, Jess is a genius. She just really <laughs> likes her kid. She just really wants him to be happy and safe and all that. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jess, let's talk about We Are the World. They're called Bwidoy. Oh, Bwidoy? Bwidoy. <laughs> the dust of Bwidoy. Is that what that means? Yes, oh, it means no. dust of it, he, he, he literally sings it. <laughs> I know. They're I'm called Bwidoy. <laughs> it we is a bop. We are the world. We are the world. We are the children. Bwidoy! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is kind of parodying that. Yeah, it definitely yeah. is. There's, you get that vibe from it. Yeah, it's not, I mean, I think it is, it serves a purpose. It just isn't one of, like, nobody loves it. Well, I'm, I'm I love not it. loves it. But nobody's Jess, like, that's Jess my sang that song. song. Jess, you want to talk about that? No, no. Jess, you want to talk about that you performed that song? <laughs> this song, very obviously written for an African-American man, and they put me up there with, like, this, like, they're called we do in the most white bread bullshit <laughs> voice <laughs> I can muster. <laughs> that Jess was uh, doing in hell and bun and stripe. You know, I was like a little kid. Jess was doing that. it as if it was a, uh, <laughs> as if it was in Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> they is the living reminders of all the good we failed to do. Oh, we love that. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Ah, yeah, that was really good. That was such a good one. I think it is interesting that John is a uh, John changes the most throughout the whole show. Agree, yeah. Considering he starts out as some guy that just wants to buy women, and then at the end he's running a charity. And it, I, I think that Buidoy was written to set up that entire thing of like John is going to help us get Chris and Kim together. No, I mean I was just going to say if you think about it, people look at John as like I mean when you talk about Mexican, it's like. Kim, Chris, Tam, the engineer, but John actually drives a lot of the story. Like he's the reason that Chris stayed, and uh, like I mean, Chris went into the the helicopter. He's the reason that Chris even had Kim in the first place. He's the reason that Chris came to Bangkok. He's the reason that you know, like a lot of this is because of John, and nobody really recognizes that. And I've just realized that John is there at the beginning, and he's there at the end. Is he the secret main character? No, he is the devil on the shoulder. He's the devil on the shoulder? 
Like, come on, you want to buy the 17-year-old girl? No, you don't want to st- not fund that kid. <laughs> <laughs> Every decision he tries to make is wrong. Trip has failed. That nothing you can do, that ship has sailed. See that the only one will have betrayed. Fall of Saigon and Kim's Nightmare because this is the best scene in the entire show. It's so cinematic and beautiful. Beautifully done. That helicopter is like really cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's even cooler live, I'll say. It's really cool live too. How did they do it? Yeah, they like completely gutted a real one. So for the original, they, they gutted an actual helicopter and then took out like its frame and then made it like usable in a theater and it was all pretty and epic and lots of wind machines and sound and stuff like that. It's so cool. <laughs> Super effective. <laughs> it recreates like the most iconic image of Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And even if you look back in the very beginning, I was going to say this before, but they they've always said that the sound of that helicopter is their overture. Like I don't know there is kind of an overture with like the but um before that before everything starts it's just a sound of a helicopter going so that it really sets up the entire like story and then when you see this i mean i've actually seen people turn back because all like the actors focus so much on the helicopter coming people turn back to look at what they're looking at because they're so focused and the wind machines and like everything are so they work so well together um so yeah that scene is pretty cool the way the whole like the entire thing comes together in the set and it is pretty amazing i also like the the ghost of um of twee yeah that's strangely effective and in any other form or musical i think that would have felt really contrived but here it works really well You will not touch him in Act One. That's what I wanted to talk about. Because that I wanted to mention scene, that. That's one of my favorite parts. It is the best scene. It's amazing. 
That's what I was saying. I think it's better than the helicopter part. Mm-hmm. It's so um, intense. Yeah, they really build it very well. And then, then the uh, this is the hour part right afterwards is just oof. <laughs> the second the second time um, I came back to New York specifically to see Saigon, like another I don't know how many times, it was I, I sat down, and um, this girl next like for backstory, this girl next to me comes in late and takes out her phone and starts Instagram storying the heat is on. So I turned to her and I'm like, hey, maybe like, don't do that, please. And she yeah, just like, gives me a dirty ever? look. <laughs> yeah, please, like, put it away. <laughs> um, so she puts it away and I'm like, okay, fine. Then she's just giving me like dirty looks for the rest of the first act. And then this is the hour happens, which is my favorite scene in the entire show. And as all of these people are singing their hearts out to like the climax of this entire act, she whips her phone out and starts to take photos. And it just ruined it for me. And I was really upset about it. But yeah, Eva was like, you're awesome. You should have beat her up. You should have punched her in the face. What's her name and what's her social security number? We're going to go find her. (laughs) You should have gotten the musicals with cheese Broadway pack where we give you laxatives and uh, brass knuckles. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you need to go see a Broadway show. I guess we have. Is it that time? Is it that that, time? It's that time. It's that time. It's that time. All right. This is the time where we have trivia with the guest. This is the hour. I was going to say that. Hey, you stole my joke. It's not that dramatic. (laughs) Although, I mean, if you want it to be. Rachel, sing it. This is the hour I swore I'd see. I alone can tell now what the end must be. They think they'll decide your life. No, it will be me. Burr, burr, burr. And then she kills herself. (laughs) 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 That's that's the end. The end. She dies. How in the light of one night night. (laughs) have we come so far? And then she dies. Oh no! <laughs> Kim! How could you do this, Kim? I cannot believe you've committed suicide. <laughs> Someone please, for the love of God, do an edit of that. Where it's the ending of Miss Saigon and then cutting to Neil Breen in disbelief of him committing suicide. <laughs> Make this oh, that's a joke very few people will understand, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the one person who does understand it, make it for me. The one person who gets that is laughing their ass off right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's me. All right, let's do the trivia. <laughs> all right. Uh, Jess, you're going to go first this time, all right? Because I'm the sore loser. All right, so for your first question, uh, and these ready. are questions not, not from me, by the way. These are from our guest. Um, I did not make up these questions. <laughs> Rachel wrote these for me. So are mine, don't worry. All right. <clears throat> oh, Jess, I think you might have trouble with this one. Here we go. Um, how many countries, cities, and languages has Miss Saigon been performed in? Oh, um, fudge. Actually, you I know what? I'm going to limit this really question hard. a little bit. I'm going to say, how many, how many, um, do you think languages or countries would be harder? Languages. 
All right. How many languages has Miss Saigon been performed in? Is this only major productions that we're counting, or are we counting like all the other stuff too? Like major ones, professional, like the okay. ones that are backed by um, Cameron McIntosh. All right. So I know at least Japanese. That's one. Um, <laughs> English, Jess. I think you can. <laughs> no, it's not. None of them are in English. Like what? Yeah, are you talking about? they're not in no, English. No, none of them are in Vietnamese either. Yeah, that is true. Actually, that is very true. Okay, they've never done it in I'm, Vietnam. I'm gonna say five because it feels like I'm aiming low. You actually are aiming very low. It's very, fifteen. Very low. Because I feel like Cameron McIntosh doesn't really get his shows out there as much as, like, English, actual, like, American ones. They've done it in German. Like, yeah, and that's actually where John John Briones, who played um, the engineer, he met his wife doing it in German. She was Ellen. Pretty cool. That's incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, that's like a love story for the ages. That's really um, ironic, too, because like, the engineer and Ellen is my ship for the show. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, everything would have worked out. <laughs> well, I lose. Like, what's the next question? All right, so we're going to go now. Our guest will answer the question. So, uh, Rachel, are you ready? Mm-hmm, I'm ready. I'm scared. Is this going right. to discredit me for the rest of my life? As the biggest Saigon fan? <laughs> Jess, you're going to have to help me with the pronunciation of this name. Oh, God. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it was, what the question was. Uh, is it Le- Leah? Leah Salonga. Leah Salonga. Uh, Leah Salonga. Sorry <laughs> I know she that. knows this answer. I feel like I know that she knows this answer, uh, but. First audition for Miss Saigon in what city? In Manila. Oh, so easy. Oh, my goodness. 1,000. That was the- so easy. Softball! Oh my god, Jess usually doesn't go easy either. Like, what the heck was that, Jess? She was seventeen. She already had done a bunch of like children's shows and stuff. Yeah, and um, my goodness, like lots of softball. But yeah, she was like sixteen or seventeen. Okay, Jess, here here's another tough one for you. Okay. Oh god, Um, I feel bad now. This is gonna be gonna go hard on me. Oh, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad because (laughs) Jess deserves every. Every punishment he receives. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, okay, this is going to be more of an estimate. Uh, how many people tried to log in to buy tickets to the 25th anniversary production of Miss Saigon within the first five minutes? I'm going to say 500,000. What? <laughs> oh, now you're highballing. Holy shit. By a lot, uh, 20, yeah. 20,000. 20,000. In the first five minutes, right. which is still a lot. Think, yeah, that is a lot. It is still a lot. That is actually a very large amount in five minutes. Well, Jess, uh, congratulations on thoroughly losing this. You're welcome. Fight. But we will still ask the last question. And my God, I think Jess, why did you softball so hard with it? You didn't softball Oklahoma. Jesus. Oh well. He's like Jess she's is, seventeen. This is, this is... Like I need to go easy. I don't know a crazy amount about Miss Saigon. Is the only thing. Oh. Jess does his questions off the top of his head, so if he doesn't know it very well, then he can't hardball you. Right. <laughs> oh, God. That sounds vulgar. Don't say that. Jess, now you brought it up, like, Christ. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, how many characters die on stage in Miss Saigon? On stage? And I think this is a really easy one. Yeah. So, Tui dies, Kim dies, uh, 
does anybody else die? Oh, and you, when the engineer kills this uh, one of the uniform guards for his uniform, is are we going that deep? I'm gonna give it to her. Wait, so there I mean, go. like two named ones, and then the engineer kills some like ensemble member for his uniform. In if you want to die in bed, <laughs> that that counts. That's you got it. <laughs> Was the answer two? That yes. Oh, okay. Sorry, I just... But you <laughs> actually like, knew more question. than Jess did, so I think you actually... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> wow, someone knew more than me about something? Wow! <laughs> Jess, is, Jess is so mad right now. I'm, I'm uh, honestly just, not, though. Uh, Jess loses again. Uh, Jess has I'm been on best. a losing streak. All right, Jess has been on a consistent know, losing lose, streak. But... <laughs> the best... Around. Congratulations on beating Jess. So Thank you, you very uh, much. You Am I now show. an all-around cool person? You have won the title, yes. Okay, good. So Rachel, <laughs> you will always be an all-around cool person, and we love you very much. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, before we forget, let's do our final thoughts and cheese reading. What do you think, okay. Jess? Okay, that sounds like a good idea. Um, Rachel, what are your overall thoughts on Miss Saigon? And do you happen to know anything about our cheese ratings? Yeah, you, I've come up with a kind of cheese, right? Yes. Yes, the, the kind is, of cheese that you think fits the show. Oh, God, because I don't even know that many cheeses. That's fine, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's okay. put Swiss on, like, everything. Swiss is my favorite type of cheese, to be fair. In doing um, research on this, I should have, like, searched up types of cheeses. But I'm going to say... Okay, well, Miss Saigon, I love it dearly. I think the music is beautiful. I think the sets are gorgeous. And I'm very grateful for what it's done for the Asian, um, like the Asian actor community, I guess, and how it's influenced my life because that was the first thing that I saw myself on stage in and really thought that I could maybe do this one day. So I'm very, very grateful for it. And I love it very much. Um, in terms of a cheese, well... I'm gonna say, like, mozzarella? Is that the squishy one? That's really satisfying mozzarella to watch? Is... Yes. Being made? Yeah. Okay, well, but I'm not gonna say it's because it's satisfying to watch, because Miss Saigon is like, it makes you feel yucky. But, um, it's like squishy, you put it on top of other things, so it probably, like, you enjoy it with, uh, uh, an opinion about the show that you choose to be like, yeah, that's not, uh, this is not coming out the way that it should be. Like, you know that some of the aspects <laughs> of the musical are problematic, but you enjoy it anyway. <laughs> with a grain of salt. And All right. also it's pretty cute sometimes. Jess, I um, actually prepared for this one. So did <gasps> I. Can I go first? Wow. Jess, you can go first. Go ahead. I love Miss Saigon. It's a musical that I really have appreciated for years. Um, I relate to it very deeply. I remember at a very early age connecting with it. It is so important to me and my upbringing. And it hurts me to know that it can be problematic, but it makes I still enjoy it. It's a guilty pleasure in that way. Despite yeah, it having yeah. a lot of things that makes me cringe. Um, so my <laughs> cheese rating is is American cheese, because what's that smell in the air? The American cheese! American cheese. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Good one. Good one, Jess. Um, well, I, I don't actually have 
any experience at all with this besides the one time I watched it and a couple times I listened to the cast recordings. Um, but I think it's really good and I like the music a lot in it. And there's a lot of really, uh, really great songs. And I, I also thought the uh, sets were really good as well. The uh, helicopter especially was impressive. Even not seeing it live, I was still impressed. Um, and then as far as uh, a cheese rating, um, I think I looked it up. Uh, uh, I'm going to give it a cheesy biscuit, which was one of the one of Vietnam soldiers' uh, top foods that they ate. Uh, it was a cheesy biscuit. Oh, dang it. You guys completely, like, you. I mean, you beat me in my rating. Mind we, there's no sense. winner of this show except for the <laughs> trivia contest in which case you you did win which i won so <laughs> remember that hey hey hey, hey. do you know the real winner of this show do you know the real winner of this show jess i swear to god is the real like winner is, is audible because today's show is brought to you by oh, audible god. audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day free trial membership just go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs download a title free and start listening tis that easy go to audibletrial.com slash musicals with cheese that was a really fun show you guys um rachel <laughs> is there anything you want to promote out there so people can come find you and see the stuff that you do Oh, God, you're asking me to plug myself? This is a nightmare. Um, <laughs> um, well, I'm Hyper Rachel with one R. So it's actually like Hype Rachel, but it's Hyper Rachel on everywhere, like on Twitter and everything. So you can find me there. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you, because people think that it's Hype Rachel and I'm like one of those cringy teenagers. But I actually made it up when I was in sixth grade and I've never strayed away from it. But yeah, um, that's where you can find me. I'm all around everywhere. I like talking about musical theater with people, so that's cool. Which <laughs> Thank means you, so you much always have a home there. on this show, and anytime you want to come back, and if there's something you really want to talk about, just let us know, and you will always have a home here. <laughs> so basically, I'm taking it over. Like, this is my podcast. Yeah. Now. Thanks, guys. Yep, yep. Well, yep. you won the show CD. with the trivia contest. So I'm off. This is my last episode, folks. Um, um, introducing Rachel <laughs> Chen Rachel as Chan. the new host of Musicals uh musicals with cheese so very yeah. excited guys jess has been thoroughly embarrassed i think <laughs> <laughs> if i haven't been more embarrassed in 23 years like in other things like i don't think this will take me down um but if you guys are listening to this right now that means you have a phone nearby and i think you should use that phone to text <laughs> a friend about how much you enjoyed this episode and send them a link just a couple words telling about why you like this show and get one more person to listen to it one more person is always helpful so we're on itunes spotify stitcher iHeartRadio, which is a weird one and a bunch of other things at musicals with cheese <laughs> our twitter is at cheesy musicals follow us on patreon at musicals with cheese we got a bunch of new new things coming up you're gonna be really excited and if you're not a part of the cool cheese club you're never gonna be as cool <laughs> as us you're not gonna the see it you're gonna club it's the real fomo the real fomo is not being a part of the musicals with cheese patreon so that's true we're also, we're also on instagram at musicals with cheese our youtube page at musicals with cheese email musical theater lives at gmail.com also brand new website jesse made it all by himself and he's really proud of it so go check that out at www.musicalswithcheese.com <laughs> our title card was created by the incredible jolene casco look at our instagram at jolene casco anything yeah. else you guys want to say before you head out yeah, but I just, I want to plug uh, the Pirate Queen. I want to say everyone should check that out. <laughs> <laughs> that 
That's that's what we take away from this episode. Miss Saigon is not the most iconic musical that they've ever written. It's The Pirate Queen. So go check that out. Check out The Pirate Queen. It's a very good show. Um, has yeah. a lot of cool stuff. While you're at it, check out Rebecca the Musical. Oh, Rebecca. How's that spelled? Um, it's a deep cut because it never premiered on any stage because of money. Ah, very good. <laughs> All right. What about you, Rachel? Anything left to say? Um, no, just thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I've laughed a lot, so thank you. It was very chaotic, but a great experience. <laughs> Welcome to the cheese. Yep. You are now a, You are now going to be on our website. You are on our mantelpiece forever. Oh, 100%. You, I'm just going to haunt you forever. Oh, perfect. You, you're the ghost of Rachel Chen. <laughs> My headshot will be like All right. in, next to your bed forever. Oh, God, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next time on Musicals with Cheese. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.